Welcome to Community Concepts on LocalJobNetwork.com radio, where we discuss the connection of jobs and the community. I'm your host, Azure Mahara, and today we're talking about homemakers to the workforce. Our in-studio guest is Amy Waldman from Access at MATC and the Displaced Homemakers Program. Welcome. Hello. I brought you in today um, because this is what you do every day. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Access? Well, there is no typical day (laughs) for a displaced homemaker coordinator, and I am one of 16 around the state. Okay. My program at MATC, I really focus on education and people who are in school, displaced homemakers who are either in school or who want to go to school. And I basically help them do what they need to do to get through school. My grant has two outcomes, education and employment. So it's kind of like enrollment, education, and then retention, graduation, employment. Why don't we take a step back? What exactly, let's let's start off for, for those out there that don't know, what is a displaced homemaker? <laughs> That's a great, great <laughs> question. I'm so glad you asked it. So displaced homemaker programs are designed to help men or women who've been in a partner relationship, married, living together, um, where they were not the main breadwinner. Okay. So maybe they had a part-time job, but their primary responsibilities fall more to the domestic administrative side of the house. Mm-hmm. Then maybe suddenly, or maybe with a little warning, the breadwinning partner is either no longer in the house, divorce, split, military service, jail, death, any Any reason scenario, that we'll right. put them outside. Or is still in the house, but has maybe lost a job or been downsized um, with a significant loss of income, has maybe become disabled or is otherwise unable to, to be the breadwinner anymore. So pretty much they have to put them in a situation where they have to now Uh-oh. stop being a homemaker and now join. Well, somebody's got to be picking up the slack right. somewhere. Something's going to happen. So um, additionally, by the way, there's one other scenario where somebody who was supported by public assistance or child support okay. but is no longer or is about to be no longer supported by that is also eligible for services under the Displaced Homemaker Grant. So you can sort of see if you're going to try and pick a single type of person to put on a Displaced Homemaker poster or put in your Displaced Homemaker box, you'd be setting yourself up for failure. So I know you just said, you know, it's there's no box. There's not a certain... Um, is there, do you help male, female mostly? They're not all single. They're not all female. They're not all heterosexual. They're not all parents. And they may never have had a partner. Okay, so it's pretty much across the board. So anybody that has ever felt like, okay, I was now not in the workforce but have to go into the workforce for whatever reason pretty much is welcome to come in for your help. No, no, no. They have to have been displaced from homemaking because of that. There's one other scenario. I've had actually two participants who left jobs and came to live and care for their aging parents, their aging frail parents, and saw them through their last illness and were supported by that parent's social security and pension. And then when that parent died, they had to go back to work and maybe they'd been out of the workforce for a while and needed some, just some focus and some help to do, to figure out what to do. Okay, and, and that's, that's when you come into play. Mm-hmm. So what, at the, what in the program do you do to kind of get things going for them or or help out? It's really, really individual. Okay. So somebody comes in and and it ranges. I've had people with master's degrees and I have people who are working on on high school equivalency on GEDs. 
Um, I have people with no work history. I have people with some work history. And I have people who don't really know what they want to do. And so it's, it's basically, it's a, it's a conversation where you sit down. It's kind of structured. And, um, Give us some of the examples of things that you would go through in the meeting. So I make sure that I'm actually dealing with somebody who's a displaced homemaker. And if you're not a displaced homemaker, I want to make something really, really clear. I am not going to just cut you off and say goodbye. <laughs> That's good Sorry, to too bad. <laughs> I'm going to give you some resources that are going to be able to help you. I'm going to tell you to try this person or to try this agency or to try doing this mm-hmm. and ta- call that. And if that doesn't work, to call me back. What are some of those options for somebody that might not qualify as, you know, the, for the program, the Displaced Homemakers program. Um, can you share some of those a examples that you give A lot of people confuse displaced homemakers and displaced workers. And okay. they're not the same. What are th- The displaced ex- homemaker is, if the displaced worker is married or has a, has a partner, that person's the displaced homemaker. Okay, I follow. Yeah. <laughs> so, and if that's the case, actually, I said this to somebody just yesterday, a guy who called me. And he's a student, and he's a displaced worker. His wife's the displaced homemaker. I said, bring her in, because I will work with both of them under those circumstances, and I have done that. Um, And my state consultant has said that that's okay. And so if you're a displaced worker, where will you send them? The hire center here has services for displaced workers. They're pretty backlogged, so it's it's hard for me to, to have to tell them to do that. Um, I wish there were more services for displaced workers. There, there really needs to be. But well, and there's always the state workforce agencies. Mm-hmm, there's sure. diff- if you're in college, there's there's career centers, mm-hmm. or you know, if you're looking to get into, there's advisors. And, um, and depending on their experience and what they did before, they might be able to go to school and get financial aid. And basically, one of the things I think it's really important to tell you right now is I don't write checks. I don't have a pot of money to help support people. What I have is a really, really good network of resources, and I'm pretty creative. (laughs) (laughs) Two good things right there. I was a displaced homemaker. So I actually, my best, I think my best training for what I do is having done it. And having done it, I know that it's really hard and it's really scary. Mm -hmm. And I also know that the only thing that's harder and scarier than doing it is what happens if you don't. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of stuck at that ultimatum. When you have nothing to lose, you can get kind of brave. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not a displaced homemaker anymore, but, but you never forget it's different for everybody, but there's some universals. The most important thing, actually, that I think that somebody in in any difficult situation needs, and this isn't displaced homemakers, this is anybody. It's just common sense. You treat people with respect. You be kind. You be honest. Even when sometimes you can't be kind and honest, it's more important to be honest in this kind of a situation. Right. And to offer encouragement, but genuine encouragement and empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of people might not have that. Um, you know, they might not have the support or things like that. Do you have... Boy, am I glad you said that. I'm <laughs> so glad you said that. That's actually the number one thing that I look for when I have that initial conversation with somebody is I'm really looking to see what their support system is. Do they have one? I'm not a demographer. I'm not a sociologist. But anecdotally, I think it's the biggest indicator of whether somebody's going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. Um 
outside of their own determination. And if they have a support system and the determination, it's going to happen. If they have the determination and no support system, it's going to be rough. It, it might not. So if somebody is listening and they don't have, they don't consider themselves having a, a support system, do you have any recommendations of you know places that they can go? Are there support groups? Mm-hmm. Are there people well, they can talk here's, to? Here's the thing. A lot of my participants are survivors of domestic violence. Some of my sur- of, of my participants have had mental health issues okay. and have had experiences that have really left them wary. I, Trust yeah. is tough. And some of them have you know, betrayed by the people closest to them. Mm-hmm. So that's hard. Yeah, with reason why mm-hmm. that would explain so not having the, su- the support. I know that um, you sent me a great list of questions and... and <laughs> Among those were, what if somebody has children? So the Parenting Network is a really good place. They do a lot of workshops. They do a lot of support. And what I'd really try to do for somebody who who doesn't maybe have a, a support system is to assess their comfort zone with different things. So does somebody have a church community or are they interested in having a church community? Does somebody, if you have a kid, places, points of affiliation? Mm-hmm. And you had originally, you know, you had, we had, ta- you had um, touched on, on money and different things like that. Um, is there a cost to your services? Um, how, does, how does that work? How does the funding work? And the Displaced Homemaker Program is funded by a grant from the state legislature. And for the next year, it's been flat for a lot of years. It was it was more, and, and it just sort of kept going down, and we advocated our heads off, and thank God it was it was put back in. And I say that because I think we give you a lot of bang for your buck. It's an $805,000 allocation for the 15 programs around the state. We're your tax dollars at work, and we work really hard to be a wise steward of those tax dollars. And I think that the people that we end up putting to work probably more than pay for what we do. So I, like I said, I think we're a pretty good investment. But if you need direct services from me, absolutely not. You've paid for them. With your if taxes. you've ever worked or if anybody in your family has ever worked, yeah. So if I was coming into you as a Displaced Homemakers program, obviously hitting financial hard times, I don't have to worry about that being a, a another burden. No. Okay. That's, and in fact, that's, I mean, and that's excellent. And there's... I think that, you know, just knowing that that resource is out there, a lot of people just don't know. Well, and that's another reason. I'm really, really grateful that you called me, and I was so happy to just jump (laughs) over here. All of us, as far as money, we're all really good at having a handle on what's out there in terms of resources to help people while they're working to get on their feet. Mm -hmm. And some of the programs actually do have some, some little, you know, some small amounts of help for something like maybe in textbooks. I know that in the rural communities, there's no public transportation. So every one of the grants is tailored to the population that they serve. At one point, I was writing bus tickets into my grant, but we have a program now at MATC called PACE, and this is a good thing for people to know about, so that if you are low-income enough to qualify for food stamps, but you are not on welfare on W-2, and you go to school, you can get your transportation paid for and your child care. That, while you're wow. in school. Yeah, that's a huge help. That can knock down some of the intimidation factors right there. Also, MATC went to the UPass system. So now built into your tuition is you get a bus pass if you're enrolled in six post-secondary credits. So if I didn't have a college degree and um, let's say I you know, had recently been divorced and I have um, a couple of small children at home and I and I 
I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I want to get back into school. Um, and I come to you, what would be kind of the steps that you would take me through? What would you have me do? So what I would tell you, first I would find out how much, so do you have any education? Or did you graduate high school? Let, yeah, let's say it's high school. Okay, so you graduated from high school. And, and I don't know how long ago you graduated from high school, but that's going to that's gonna factor into what I, I ask you. And then I'm going to ask you, um, I'm going to ask you a bunch of what I, I say to people. I'm going to ask you a bunch of rude personal questions. And <laughs> I never will ask you a question that isn't about me helping you figure out how best to move forward with your life. So one of the things I'm going to ask you is if you have any criminal history. That's fair enough. I mean, that's, yeah, I was just going to ask you for examples of these questions. So what are a couple more? We have the Wisconsin caregiver law. And if you have a criminal background and certain criminal offenses and you want to go into healthcare or education, that's not going to happen. Right. Well, and then that's, I mean, that's a valid question. Is there any other qu- examples of the questions that you can? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to ask you how old the children are. I'm going to ask you how the children are doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. Yeah. Um, Is that why people sometimes confuse you with the therapist? <laughs> maybe. But I need to know that. Right. Because you might be in a place where you're not ready to do anything but mourn. Mm-hmm. And if I try to rush you into something, and you're panicked too. We're setting you up for failure, and you're already dealing with enough bad stuff and feeling probably beaten up and like a failure enough. So it's better to take it slowly if you can. Not everyone has that luxury. Do you ever recommend doing any volunteering? It depends on the situation. If you're asking me whether I think it's a good idea for someone with no work history mm-hmm. to volunteer their way into a job at a specific place, that doesn't sound great to me. But do they just want a job or are they going to school? And if they are, if they are career tracking or they're looking for a career track, if they're trying to figure out what to do, I do encourage them to try and volunteer in a setting that will give them some sort of a sense of what it would be like to work in that industry. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think also volunteering too, you know, if you have a gap on your resume, which a lot of displaced homemakers obviously probably do. There's volunteering to pick a place, but pick something that you're interested in and go regularly. Make it a routine Monday, Wednesday, Friday, someplace and someplace reputable. And because what that's also going to do is give you references and a reference, a volunteer position, the most valuable thing you can get out of it is a reference. Somebody will say, yeah, he showed up every day that he was said he would on time and did, you know, X, Y, Z thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like like you said, you can get a reference. You can put it on a resume. Um, speaking of resumes, uh, oh God. <laughs> they're like religion. <laughs> they're. I mean, it's. Let me tell you why resumes are like religion. Yeah. Tell me why resumes. Okay. <laughs> resumes are like religion because there are a ton of different religions, and mm-hmm. everybody thinks theirs is the best one. <laughs> That's true. It's true. I, I made that connection about three months ago. Because I was thinking about resumes and thinking that I'm really bad at helping people do resumes, which <laughs> probably isn't true. I'm, I'm not terrible. But I don't think it's one of my absolute strengths. I'm really lucky. We have a job shop at MATC. Okay, that's what I was just ready to ask. So, so I can just take that resume down or have that person go down to the job shop once that resume is done, and they can get a critique there. And is that also free of cost, too? Um, to students. To and students. I think to people who are working with me. Okay. But 
you know. Don't quote you on it. Don't quote me on it. And if not, hey, you know what? I know enough other people who do resumes. I'll get your resume reality checked <laughs> by somebody other than me, too. Yeah. Because I think that's really important. We just had a job fair at MATC. It was amazing. We had 80 employers there. And I spent the afternoon with resumes. I walked out with tons of resumes. I handed a few out, not for me, but this was a golden opportunity for me to pick the brains of human resource professionals and to find out what are they looking for? How do you address a gap? I mean, all of the questions you're asking me, because I'm not in human resources. But but, but you have a foot in the door to kind of... Should you be putting keywords on a resume? Mm -hmm. Um, How do you deal with gaps? What were some of the things that you found out? The most valuable thing I think I learned about the online application is don't leave any field blank. No, nope. that's one thing. Yep. Put NA if you're not if you don't know, just so they know you saw it. Right. If you know how to use some sort of proprietary program or software package or some skill mm-hmm. that's or methodology that they've asked for specifically, put that in there. That will bring it up to mm-hmm. the top. Most of them said that they actually read all of the applications, but one said they spend 40, less than 40 seconds on each one. So if something doesn't pop right away. Right. If you worked your whole life um, as oh, right, a as mother a, right. or anything like that, okay, that, how would you how would you put some of those skills onto a resume? Right. Okay. Well, first of all, laundry, house cleaning, cooking, not so much. Organizing fundraisers at your kid's school, working, being an officer in your church. Did you, maybe at some point you guys wanted to do something and they needed money and you wrote some sort of something to get money. You actually went out and got money for something. Guess what? You've just done development and fundraising work. So that that you can leverage those things. Okay. Um, so the things that you might not know were actual resume builders. Bingo. Computer? Do you have computer skills? Did you do a newsletter for your school PTA? Did you know those are those are absolutely transferable skills. What you really want to have on a resume. Your resume is, it's a story. You need a story. That, that resume, that document. Yep. What did you do from this year to this year? A coherent story mm-hmm. that will track for a potential employer and that can be verified. That's, that's really what, it, what you need on a resume. A resume doesn't get you a job. A resume is a sales document to get you in the door so that you can close the deal. Right. So be encouraged. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to come in for help. Um, and, you know, take that first step. Be surprised at the programs that are out there. Sell yourself and be confident. And you can cry in my office. <laughs> I have Kleenex. <laughs> there you go. But, and if you need a place to cry. <laughs> but you, but, but out, out there, uh-uh. No. Right. That's, you cry um, in here so you can go out there and do what right. you need to do. Amy, how would somebody get in touch with any Displaced Homemakers program? Um, they go to our website. How do they find these? Okay. You can go to it's, – it's the Wisconsin Technical College System website, but it's buried pretty deeply in there. So if you go to grants, I think, and then if you go to – Maybe resources. I think it's in there somewhere. So, or you can just call me. Yeah. Can I give my phone number? Yeah, go for it. Um, 414-297-8418. All right. And if you're in a different city other than Milwaukee, um, you know, Google it, look it up, go um, to... You can email. If you go to my, go to my Facebook or go to... You can email me. It's my last name, Waldman, W-A-L-D-M-A-N first initial A, 
at matc.edu. And just, hi, I'm from Rhinelander. Is there a program? What if somebody's in California? Could you still help them find a... If they're in California? I can try. I think there might be. (laughs) There there you go. I mean, you know, I'm networked with the state. The Department of Labor used to have funded women work that was a network of all the displaced homemaker programs in the country. And funding for a lot of programs has been cut. A lot of states don't have a displaced homemaker program anymore. And here's the thing that I'm, here's the trauma I will leave you with, is that four years ago, five years ago, our displaced homemaker program almost got cut. And it was cut because one, somebody in the assembly said, oh, it's not at all the technical colleges. I guess we don't need it at any. Mm. And Well, it, thankfully it didn't. It was during that 100 days when there was no budget, the coordinators advocated their heads off um, and talked about what we did. It wasn't a matter of selling. It was a matter of informing. Because I, I could tell you from the fact that they slashed it from 800 to 336,000 told me that they didn't understand the program. Because what you either do is you either fund it or you defund it. Because that was that was just not enough to do an ef- really effective programming in the way that it was. Mm-hmm. And so it was a matter of really there was information need out there, and we, we did that. And we've been funded every year since, every biennium. So I think that probably it's better understood. But what it did to me was I said, uh-oh, and somebody, and it scared me right into graduate school. <laughs> so, um, and the question I asked was, here is the experience I have. What do I put on top of it to take everything to a different place? And that's how I picked a graduate program. So it wasn't, oh, I think I'll be a this or I think I'll be a that. And that's part of the process, too, is you look at who you are and you look at what you've done and you say, what can I put? How can I build? What can I, how, how, do I, how do I add to this to take the whole thing to another place that is going to give me what I need? To run my life. So, uh, listeners, when you're out there, and we're actually out of time, but um, if if you can't find a displaced homeworkers program uh, within your state or in your city, look around. Look at there. It sounds like there's numerous different programs, and I know you know Milwaukee is really great with all the different programs and the community um, involvement from from different organizations. But I know that we are not one of a kind when it comes to that. So be encouraged and know that there is there is a resource out there. There is help. There is support. Do you agree? (laughs) (laughs) Very, very much. Yes. Well, um, thank you so much again for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, We have Amy from Access at MATC with the Displaced Homemakers Program. Listeners, if you have any ideas for future topics on community concepts, please feel free to email me at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Again, I'm Azure Mahara with localjobnetwork.com radio, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.